Friends, let us turn now in the Word of God for our reading, for our instruction in God's Word, for our worship, for our praise, for our worship to Him tonight as we read His Word. May He read our hearts and bring us to know Him and to fear Him. We turn to the book of Genesis and the chapter 4. Genesis, the fourth chapter. And this is the Word of God. Let us hear the Word of God together. The Lord truly help us and give us ears to hear and hearts to receive his word. His word is truth. Genesis chapter 4 verse 1. And Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And she bare his brother Abel. And Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel he also brought of the firstlings of his flock, and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and his offering, but unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth, and why? Is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door, and unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. And Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass, when they were in the field, that Cain rose up against Abel his brother, and slew him. And the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, What hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. Now art thou cursed from the earth, which hath opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand. When thou tillest the ground, it shall not henceforth yield unto thee her strength. A fugitive and a vagabond shalt thou be in the earth. And Cain said unto the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, thou hast driven me out this day from the face of the earth, and from thy face shall I be hid, and I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond in the earth. And it shall come to pass that every one that findeth me shall slay me. And the Lord said unto him, Therefore, whosoever slayeth Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark upon Cain, lest any finding him should kill him. And Cain went out from the presence of the Lord, and dwelt in the land of Nod, on the east of Eden. And Cain knew his wife, and she conceived, and bare Enoch. He builded a city. And call the name of the city after the name of his son Enoch. And unto Enoch was born Irad, and Irad begat Mehujel, and Mehujel begat Methusel, and Methusel begat Lamech. And Lamech took unto him two wives. The name of the one was Ada, and the name of the other Zillah. And Ada bare Jabal, and he was the father of such as dwell in tents and of such as have cattle. And his brother's name was Jubal, and he was the father of all as such 
has handled the harp and organ. And Zillah, she also bare Tubalcane, an instructor of every artificer in brass and iron, and the sister of Tubalcain was Nama. And Lamech said unto his wives, Ada and Zillah, Hear my voice, ye wives of Lamech, hearken unto my speech, for I have slain a man to my wounding, and a young man to my hurt. If Cain shall be avenged sevenfold, truly Lamech seventy and sevenfold. And Adam knew his wife again, and she bare a son, and called his name Seth. For God, saith she, hath appointed me another seed instead of Abel, whom Cain slew. And to Seth, to him also, there was born a son, and he called his name Enos. Then began men to call upon the name of the Lord. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. May the Lord be pleased to bless that public reading of his precious word. Grant us understanding to it and application for our lives. Let us draw near by faith, thanking the Lord for his word, and pray that he might speak to our hearts even here this night. Well, dear congregation, I would ask you to please turn your prayerful attention to that portion of God's word that I read to you in your hearing. The book of Genesis, the first book of the Bible, and the fourth chapter. And we have here the account, not only of the first murder, but we have the account of what is true worship, an acceptable worship before God, and a right reception before God, and that which is not acceptable. Here in Genesis chapter 4, this follows the account of Adam and Eve being banished from paradise, from that Garden of Eden where everything was perfect. There was no sin, there was no death in that garden. However, it is interesting to note that in that garden, just before Adam and Eve were cast out, the Lord slew an animal and made a covering for Adam and Eve. Before they sinned, they were naked, and they were, we read, they were not ashamed. They were in a state of innocency. There was no shame upon them. The greatest anticlimax of all history, let me suggest to you, I'll repeat it again, the greatest anticlimax of all of history was the day when our first parents, Adam and Eve, the devil told them the lie, that if they took that which God forbade, that they would be as gods, and they couldn't have been any further from the truth. They were utterly ashamed of themselves. The devil who was called a murderer from the beginning, was the first one to commit murder. We could say that he led his great entourage, we read from the book of Jude, over a third of the angels fell with Satan. He is called the deceiver. And he was roaming upon the earth, and he deceived our first parents, Adam and Eve, and told them that if they took 
of that forbidden fruit which God said that they were not to touch. They would be as gods. They couldn't be any further from the truth. They became utterly ashamed of themselves and of what they had done. You see, they were fueled by pride. If they could just be something more. The devil was saying to Eve, God is withholding from you your full potential. He wants to withhold you from being happy. Well, my dear friends, we notice when Eve took and Adam took, not only did they become thoroughly ashamed of themselves, but they began to argue and dispute and blame each other and even blame the devil for these things. Of course, they were fully culpable, although they were misled and, as it were, deceived by Satan himself. They were guilty of the highest treason. They had never any reason to question God. God had never done them any wrong. God was good to them. God provided Adam a perfect wife and her a perfect husband. But sin came in and they drank sin as it were. And they succumbed to these things. Not only was there unhappiness, but God had warned Adam, Adam, in the day that thou sinnest, thou shalt surely die. And Adam began to experience death firstly in the spiritual realm. Separation from God. All he knew before that was the smile of God, the approbation of God, what it was like to be like God. In terms of uprightness, Adam never knew what it was to sin. Adam never knew what it was to do wrong. He lived every day of his life before this for the glory of God. He delighted in God. We're told in the book of Genesis that he walked with God in the cool of the day. Imagine that. Fellowship with God. Fellowship with the one who created him in whose image he was made. Adam was made with tremendous capacity. He was able to name all the creatures. You think of all the thousands of creatures in this world. There are well over 12,000 kinds of birds. You think of all the fishes of the sea and the beasts of the field. And there was no death. We read in Genesis chapter 1, that all the animals of the field ate herbs. They ate plants. There was no death. And yet death came. And everything began to devour itself. And man began to have hatred. And one toward another. And we see that the first child ever born was a murderer. Can anything good Come out of man. Job said, Can anything clean come out of that which is unclean? The first child born, Cain, she said, Behold, I have got a man. Now, of course, Cain was born after the fall. If you notice in Genesis 3.15, immediately after the fall, the Lord says to Satan, And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, 
and between thy seed and her seed, and it shall bruise thy head, and thou shall bruise his heel. They're speaking of the Lord Jesus. He is the seed of the woman that God promised to send into this world. Here we have what is called the first gospel promise, the proto-evangelium. Genesis 3.15, God promised to send the seed of the woman. Jesus Christ was not born of the seed of man. He had no natural father, as it were, no earthly father. Eve, the first woman, eventually would come Mary, and she would be conceived of Christ by the Holy Spirit. The Bible tells us in Galatians 4, chapter 4, when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, made under the law. There is a verse in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, and we're told this is some 700 years before Jesus Christ would come into the world. 700 years. Behold, the virgin shall be with child, and his name shall be called, what? Emmanuel. Do you know what Emmanuel means, my friend? It means God with us. Jesus Christ made the heavens and the earth. The very one who, as it were, slew the first animal in the garden. The one who walked with Adam and Eve and consoled them because of their sin and their fall and death and all their progeny. Now would not only Adam, but all of Adam's progeny would face death. But the Lord consoled them. This very Lord himself would come into this world. Genesis chapter 1 verse 26, God said, Let us make man in our image. God is not plural. God is one. And yet he is in three divine persons. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, My Father and I are one. John chapter, 1 John 5, we're told in the verse 7, there are three that bear witness in heaven. We're told the Father, the Word, and the Spirit. Christ is the Word, the Word that became flesh, Jesus Christ. Now here in Genesis chapter 4, we have the account of the death of the very first person. And that was, by the way, not Adam. Adam was facing death every day. The wages of sin is death. That's what the Bible tells us. That's why you die. That's why I die. Because we all come from one couple, as it were, Adam and Eve, our first parents. And sin has spread to all men. That's why all die. Let me ask you the question, friend, have you, are you prepared to say you've never sinned in your life? I trust that there would be nobody here that would say, I've never sinned. Did anybody teach you how to sin? You were born a sinner, as I was born a sinner. Nobody taught you how to lie, to deceive, 
to be covetous, to be jealous, to be envious. Nobody taught us these things because they're, they're bound up in the heart. And we're told that foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. We're born ignoring the very fact that God is. And we somehow think, we like to imagine that there is no God. But we know in our hearts, you know, Paul tells us in Romans chapter 1, that we are without excuse. He tells us that God has shown that he is by the things that he has made. And yet we try to ignore the fact that God is and that one day we're going to be accountable to him. Well, it's quite clear here in Genesis chapter 4 that Adam and Eve had instructed their two sons how to worship God, how to approach God. We're introduced to worship here in Genesis chapter 4. And we read how Cain brings an offering to the Lord and how Abel brings an offering to the Lord. One is acceptable and one is not. Why an offering? That's the question, isn't it? Why an offering? Well, first of all, let me say, God is worthy to be worshipped. That's the first thing. And God is worthy, first of all, of our praise. But this offering being mentioned here is an offering for sin. And of course, it is what we would call typical. It points to the need of what the Lord Jesus Christ would do for his people in this world. And it was the offering of Abel. Abel offers up a firstling of the flock, a lamb, or perhaps a bullock. But it was a firstling. Now we notice, and Adam knew his wife. Now that is perhaps a very polite and discreet way of saying that he had intimate relation with her, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain, and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. Now, remember what I said, Genesis 3.15 is a verse of hope that the Lord would break up this alignment. He would literally inject enmity between the seed of the woman, that is the Christ that would come into this world, and Satan. God would eventually break up that alignment. Satan has deceived many, and uh, sinners are without any hope, because God is holy. And the scriptures say that our sins have made a separation between us and Almighty God. Friends, we must understand this one thing here tonight. If we are to understand one thing about God... It is this. Let me have your eyes. God is holy. And you and I are not holy. God is holy. Infinitely holy. Holier than we can ever imagine or conceive. The scriptures say he is of purer eyes than to behold iniquity. This is why Adam and Eve were banished from the Garden of Eden. They were made perfect. They were made upright. But they had pride. They had covetousness. They had all manner of sin flowing through them. We think of just this taking the forbidden fruit, but behind that taking was all manner of sin. 
It was calling God a liar. It was approving of Satan. And it was indulging themselves in something that would end up destroying them. And that's what sin does. Sin destroys us. The wages of sin is death. Now you think about it, my friend. You tell a lie. What kind of a person does that make you look like? It makes you ignoble. You become embarrassed. You become ashamed. You say things. You act in an unbecoming way. Unless, of course, you've lost your conscience. Unless you've become some sort of a beast. We're told that in the last days men will forget to blush and they will not be ashamed and there will be a careless living and that's how the world will increasingly become. But everyone does have a conscience. Now God had to banish them from the garden because they had sinned and they had lost, they had fallen from that glory that they had and that honor and that favor. And you see how they begin to accuse one another. And say, no, it was his fault, it was her fault, it was the devil's fault. Making all kinds of excuses. But now we come to Genesis chapter 4 and we have a problem. We have a problem with these two sons, Cain and Abel. How to worship God, how to approach a holy God. Why is this important? Well, because, friends... The Bible says the wages of sin is death. But you know, the Bible tells us that it is appointed unto man once to die, but after that the judgment. How will we stand one day when God raises us from the dust? You say, well, I don't believe that. You're calling Jesus Christ a liar? He said, marvel not, all that are in the grave shall come out of the graves. Some to everlasting life. The Lord Jesus says, you, friend, will come out of the grave and you will stand before him. Eyeballs in your eye sockets, tongues in your mouth, and you will see him in your flesh. You who he made, he made the whole of creation. You are his creature and you will stand before him. And how are you going to stand Do you have righteousness as God expects? Do I have righteousness as God requires? No. The scriptures say all have sinned. All come short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Now what we have here in Genesis chapter 4 is typical. What we see here is in type form of how sinners are accepted before a holy God. And one man obeys his parents, his parents who once disobeyed God, and they are reaping the awful consequences of it. Adam and Eve are dying, and they're experiencing problems in their own marriage, in their own society, and they see their first son, Cain, a murderer, kill their second son. And what do we see? And she bare his brother Abel, verse 2. And Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. 
And Abel he also brought of the firstlings of his flock, and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. Now, it should be no doubt in our minds that these sons were instructed in the way in which they were to present an offering. These first parents, we're told in the previous chapter, that God had made skins for them for covering. So an animal was slain to cover over their nakedness and their shame. And sin, doesn't it not make us ashamed? Does it not expose us, our hearts, for what they are? Surely it does. And throughout the Old Testament, my friends, let me say this. The way of approach to God was through a blood sacrifice. Why? Because God tells us in his word, without the shedding of blood, there could be no remission of sins. Now, people began to eat meat in these days. When the fall came, imagine it. There were bears killing all kinds of things. There were lions. We're told that thorns and thistles began to come up from the ground. And Adam, as he began to toil, he toiled in the sweat of his brow. And Eve, as she bore children, it was in pain. It was not meant to be like this. But there was death. There was hard work. And there was the shedding of blood. And there was not only to be the shedding of blood by the death of an animal, and of course we eat animals, don't we? But it would have to be a firstling of the flock. And God had instructed, no doubt, Adam and Eve, how they were to approach him, typifying the way in which sinners were to be received before a holy God. We read in Hebrews chapter 9 and chapter 10 that without the shedding of blood, there can be no remission of sin. When John the Baptist saw the Lord Jesus Christ coming to the world, he said, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. That is, anyone in the world that believes upon Jesus Christ shall be saved. Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God, who on the cross, his heel was bruised, as it were. But he would crush Satan's head. He would be ultimately victorious. You see, in Adam, all is lost. You think about it. Where has death come from? It came from what happened there in the garden, disobedience to God. And now what is the approach? Adam, tell your sons they must bring an offering, a firstling. The firstling is always the the first, the best of the flock. And you must give that to God. The blood must be shed upon the altar. For without the shedding of blood, because God is just, he requires blood sin. And the only way that guilty sinners could be received ultimately is through the death of God's dear Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. So here we have it. In the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground. Here what we have is 
what we could call will worship. Cain brought what he wanted to bring. God, here's some fruit of the ground. I'm going to give you what I want to give you. Not only was he usurping the way in which sinners were to be received, but he was saying, I'm going to give you what I determine is right. And really it was not respected of the Lord. It was insufficient. It's not that God, you see, first of all, let me say, is not pleased with the good things that we aim to do in our life. But here is what we call the basis of acceptance. What is the basis of a sinner's acceptance before a holy God? If you learn anything from the entire Bible, it is this. Without the shedding of blood, there can be no forgiveness of sins. Jesus, this is why he said, as he instituted the table, this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. And Cain was seeking to usurp this. Just previously in the chapter 3, God had, by the death of the animals, made a covering. And that again is just a picture. A covering for their shame and for their nakedness. So they were not ashamed. What a gracious God. The moment they sinned, what do they do? They ran away. My friends, that's you and I as we come to this world, don't we? we we're born, and we're born, as it were, with our backs against God, and we, we run away from God from the day of our birth. We run away from God. We pretend that there is no God. If there is a God, we make a God of our own imagination. Well, I imagine God is going to accept me for who I am. No, he's not. God cannot accept me for who I am. But God accepts me, a sinner, through his Son, through me trusting in his shed blood, through me trusting in the life that he lived. Jesus said, I am the way. He never said, I am one of many ways. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And he said, no man comes to the Father but by me. Did you get that? He said, nobody can ever get to heaven. Nobody can ever get to God but by me. And there was only one way in which Cain could worship God. And that is through the offering of a firstling. That is through the shedding of blood. But he became deeply offended at that. You see that? We read it in the text. Verse 5, But unto Cain and to his offering, he that is God had not respect and Cain was very, what? Wroth. It's an old-fashioned word for saying angry. And my friends, sinners are no different today. You say, what? God 
will not accept what I determine to give him? Exactly. You've got it right. You've got it dead right. You cannot please God. As you look at your life and as I look at my life, Cain may have even thought and said, well, this is the best crop I've got. God, are you not going to accept it? Look at these carrots. Look at these vegetables. Look at everything I've got here. God, are you? No. Why, Cain? Because you've sinned. You say, well, we don't read much about Cain. What we read is terrible. And even Abel. Abel, it seems, to be a good man. Honorable, but even Abel was a sinner. You can read about the life of Job. You can read about the life of Daniel. You can read the life of Abraham. You can read the life of every one of God's people in the Old Testament. They came by blood sacrifice and trusting that that was pointing to God's way in which sinners would be acceptable to him. But my friend, what incensed Cain, incensed everybody who is not saved. Shall I repeat that again? What incensed Cain, incenses everybody that is not saved. And if you remain in that way, you go to a lost eternity. Because there is no hope apart from Jesus Christ. Jesus said, blessed is the man who is not offended in me. Are you offended at Christ? Who is he? Do you know who he is? We see him there in Genesis chapter 3. Walking and talking. The very one who made the heavens and the earth. The one who befriended our first parents, Adam and Eve, and yet in grace when they fell, announced that eventually he, the seed of the woman, would come into this world. One who was so gracious. You read the Bible how he led the people through the years. And how he put up with sinners. And how he was so determined to come into this world. And he did come. He came and he laid down his life for good people? No. For sinners. The Apostle Paul, who was a hater of the church, who persecuted the church, said this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Abel was a sinner. That's why Abel needed to bring a sacrifice. And Abel, what he did, please God. It was, really we could say, the offering is that which the Lord was pleased with. You notice, and Abel also brought to the first flings of the flock and of the fat thereof, and the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. You see, it is through what Abel did 
in presenting that firstling, that blood shed, giving it to the Lord and saying, this is what I as a sinner deserve. My friend, do you see yourself that way? You see, the problem is, you see, we, we have a very low view of God and a very high view of ourselves. That's how we're born, aren't we? God is holy, high in the heavens. And you know, the slightest infraction against his law demands his justice. But in his mercy, he would give his son to shed his blood for his people, to die in their place, to suffer. The just, as Peter says, for the unjust, that he might bring them unto God. That to me is a gracious God. A God that says, bring your works, bring your good produce, is a God that you better please. Because if you don't please him, and if your works are not perfect, he'll reject you. What was coming from the earth at this time? Thorns, thistles. You can even go, it's true, and I believe this before the fall, the vegetables and the produce from the Garden of Eden was perfect. Look at the body today. Look at how the genetics are failing. Doctors and scientists are trying to make us live longer, but they can't. Is man getting any better from his philosophies? And Man's getting worse. He invents new ways to sin, doesn't he? And you think that we yielding stuff from the ground could ever please God? God is saying from all this, what I require for your sin is death. Through the death of these animals. I don't want the life of vegetables. I don't want your hard work. What I need is full satisfaction against my wrath. I hope you see that. That's what these two sacrifices speak of. One speaks of the appeasement of God's wrath. What kind of a God do you imagine? This world has to come to an end, my friends. Is it a good world? Look at the first man born. He's a murderer, for goodness sake. Murders happen every day in this world. There are other kind of murders people excuse. We don't want to defile the meeting here. But you know, you can murder somebody in your own heart by hating them. There's all kinds of murders. Jesus said, if you say to your brother, rocker, empty head, you've committed murder. You see, Cain's murder began in the heart, didn't it? He was envious of his brother. Jealous of him. He was angry because God accepted his brother's sacrifice and not his. What was at the heart of that? Pride. God had already instructed the way of approach to him. And let me say this. Christians have acknowledged 
in their own heart, the only acceptance before God is Jesus Christ. And maybe that offends you, you see. Because what the Bible is saying and they are saying by their lives is you could never make yourself acceptable with God. And you find that offensive. And I suppose in one way it is offensive, but it's the truth, isn't it? It's the truth. None are righteous. But you see, God is is making it very plain. We're all on the same level playing field, friend. There's no hope in man. There's only hope in the one that would come into this world, Jesus Christ. And so we read, but unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thy wroth? And why is thy countenance fallen? Now we mustn't imagine for a millisecond that God doesn't know what's going on in Cain's heart. But he's questioning him. He's getting him to think, why are you angry? You've been shown the way. You've been shown what pleases me, Cain. But why are you angry? You might say, but I've worked hard for this. Here are my vegetables. Here's my pro- I've worked hard for it. Don't you accept me? See, that's what's behind it, isn't it? That's what's behind it all. You see, let me say, first of all, as we come to this, not only is the first child born a murderer, but the first child born was actually disobedient. And the sacrificial system was already put into place, and it was exposed to them. Adam, we live, we read, live many, many years, 930 years, Genesis 5, 5. And men did live long in those days because the genetics were not broken down, as it were. As it is today, there's been a breakdown in cell and we have more diseases and illnesses today than ever before. Man's years are less and less. You read this through the Bible. But not only that, but we also notice that in these things here, not every man worshipped the Lord in the right way. And let me say, this is the great divider. There are people in this world, and you could, you could put every other religion into this compartment on this one side. We worship God how we think best. That's basically it. Some people live a life of, I live my life, to the best of my ability. That's my life. And if God receives it, God receives it. I do my best. And I have my standards, and God will just have to accept them or not. And there are people engaged in various religions to that degree. Well, I think this religion is better than that religion, and so on. But you know, none of those religions have an offering for sin. All of those religions are saying... You can do it, my friend. You can do it. Just choose the best religion. Choose something. That's what other religions are saying. We've got the way. But the Lord Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. The life you never lived. 
the life that should have been lived in Adam and all that has ever come from Adam. I am the life, the one who gave life, the one who made the heavens and the earth, the one who takes life and the one who gives it. The first Adam, we're told, was made a living soul. The last Adam, we're told, was made a life-giving spirit. Then what he does, you see, is he changes our hearts and he humbles us. Cain was not humbled. Cain was proud. How dare you, God? A sinner. And God questions him here. It's not as if God doesn't know. And we read, and his countenance fell. You know how it is sometimes with people. They try to hide things. But their countenance says it all, doesn't it? You can see when some people are upset, incensed. And this is how it was with Cain. And you know, a a countenance can be changed as a man is changed. As a man is in his heart. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth? Why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? What is well? To do well is what the Lord has commanded. Isn't it? The Lord commanded, this is the way. Thou shalt be accepted, and if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. It's always going to be there. You see, the one who comes by Jesus Christ is humbled. To do well, remember what the Lord Jesus Christ said to the Jews in his day, do the work of God. And they said, what is the work of God? And he said that thou shouldst believe upon his son. That's the good work, isn't it? God says, look unto me. God here had pronounced the way, and let me say this, all who are not of Christ will hate this way. And this was Cain. He was angry. If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And what was that sin? Well, in his own heart it was hatred, it was jealousy, it was envy over his brother. That the Lord favoured his brother because of that sacrifice. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. And Cain talked with Abel, his brother, Where were they? In the field. It was all very subtle, wasn't it? In the field. And it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and slew him. He slew him. And what was it over? It was over the way of acceptance with God. And the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel, thy brother? It's not as if the Lord didn't know, because he tells him, thy brother's blood is crying out from the ground. He's questioning him. He's he's bringing to mind his conscience. 
He thinks that God hasn't seen it. He is a man who wants to be accepted by his good works. But what's the very next thing he does? He kills his brother, his own flesh and blood. And then he lies. Where is thy brother? And he said, I know not. A lie! Does one sin not lead to another? You've told a lie. You then have to manufacture three or four, maybe ten other lies to cover up that one lie, don't you? You see what sin does? It not only lies at the door, but it perpetuates in the life. There's no honesty. There's no sincerity. And he has to cover up for the hatred of his heart. His worship's not right with God. And above all, he's lying to God, who sees all things. And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? Well, he was meant to be. He was the older brother, wasn't he? What is the commandment of God? It's to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, thy soul, thy mind, and thy strength. And to what? To love thy neighbor as thyself. Has he loved his neighbor as himself? Is he keeping the law? Is he doing what is right? No. He has killed his brother. He has slain his brother. You see what self-righteous religion does? It hates what is true. And it does what is evil. And this we see Cain doing. What does the Lord say in response to all of this? He said, what hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. Now in the Old Testament, when blood was spilt, the whole land was polluted. And God required justice. That's why we read in Genesis chapter 9, that if a man sheds another man's blood, that man's blood is required. And what does God say to him? Thou art cursed from the earth, which hath opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand. When thou tillest the ground, thou shalt henceforth yield unto thee her strength, a fugitive and a vagabond shalt thou be in the earth. Now, this man lives in abject, open defiance. We read that he actually, although God says you shall be a vagabond and a fugitive, in other words, men are not going to receive you, he calls his first son Enos. And that son builds a city. And we read, And Cain said unto the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, thou hast driven me out of this day from the face of the earth, and from thy face shall I be hid, and I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond in the earth, and it shall come to pass that every one that findeth me shall slay me. But the Lord protected him, and uh, really, he would live a miserable life. But you know, Cain never got away with it in the end. Cain will have to live before Almighty God. Stand before him one day 
on that great day of judgment. And the Lord said unto him, Therefore, whosoever slayeth Cain, vengeance shall be taken upon him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark upon Cain, lest any finding him should kill him. And Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden. And Cain knew his wife and conceived and bare Enoch. And he builded a city and called the name of the city after the name of his son Enoch. Now one thing, one of the reasons why the Lord preserves this man is that indeed there would be enmity between the seed of the woman and between the seed of Satan. All who do not believe upon Christ. Remember what the Lord Jesus said to the Jews, you of your father, the devil. That's what he said. And I know it's not flattering. But you see, God's way is the way that sinners may be accepted through him, and that is through the shedding of the blood, eventually, of Jesus Christ. And all those that hate that way are headed for wrath. You hear what I said? That's very, very chilling. It's very sobering. And I know some people may be incensed at this, but it's the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man, and that means no boy, no girl, no woman, young man, no young woman, no old man, can come to the Father but by me. The way for those like Cain, who think that they can be accepted before God, on the basis of their so-called works, is wrath. Why is that? It's because you have sinned, and I have sinned. I'm no different to you in that regard. Friend, I am a sinner. And if you're not saved, the only difference is, I am trusting in the finished work of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of my sins. And God has opened up many eyes here to see and to believe that Jesus Christ is the only way to the Father. Are you offended in Jesus Christ? Does the gospel offend you? I must remind you, without the shedding of blood, there can be no remission of sins. To me, this is a gracious way. To me, it's it's impossible For man to enter heaven. Remember what the Lord Jesus said to the rich young ruler that came to him. Good master, what must I do to have eternal life? What must I do? He said to the Lord, what must I do? The Lord said, keep the commandments. You know them well. Yes, there's two ways to heaven, let me say. There's two ways. Live a perfect life, obey all God's commandments, or trust in Christ. Of course, the first you can never do. There is really only one way, humanly speaking. Otherwise, you're lost. You're without hope if you are without Christ. 
Now, there are many people that would say that they're Christians, sadly, and I must warn these. And they really give a half-baked sort of Christianity. So it's, uh, I believe in Jesus. That's what they say. That's, that's their mantra. The Lord saved me 20 years ago, 30 years ago. They say something like that. But you look at their life, and actually there's no change in the life. No change at all. When the Lord saves us, what does he do? He, he not only saves us from the wrath that is to come, but he saves us to a life of loving, principled obedience to Jesus Christ. His name is called Jesus, the scriptures say, for he shall save his people from their sin. There are many that sport themselves as Christians and say, I believe in Jesus. I I believe there was a day when I, I trusted in him, but there's no works in the life. There's no obedience. And they think they can give God, like Cain here, the scraps of their life. As a Christian, we don't. We give him the first fruits. We give him everything. We give him our hearts. He says, my son, give me thine heart. The Lord Jesus said this. He said, many will say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord. But he will say, I never knew you. They will say, Lord, we we preached in your name. We did this in your name. You say, I never knew you. You're workers of iniquity. You did and you lived your own self-styled kind of Christianity. You wanted a promise of heaven. You wanted assurance. And you said, I believe with the rest. I trust in Jesus. But you better read Matthew chapter 7, where the Lord said, this is the wise man who heard my sayings and did them. You see, the thing is, Cain knew he had to bring something to God. That's one thing he did know. He knew he had to bring something to God, and some people know they have to give something to God, but they give him what they think, not what God says, and not what God requires. And God not only requires us to believe wholly upon his son, Jesus Christ, but you know what Paul says? He says of Christians, you now, you now, offer up yourselves as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. That's it. And I would ask you that question. Are you somebody that just simply signed a card Put your hand up one day. We don't sign cards here, by the way. We don't get somebody to walk up to the altar. But you know, your life is living testimony. Whether you're living to Jesus Christ, whether you love him. Do you love him? Paul said, Let every man that love not the Lord Jesus Christ be accursed. Why? Because he is God. Why wouldn't you love him who came and lived in the place of Adam and in the place of all of his people and then finally died a most horrific death in the place of his people? If he lived for you and if he loved you and if he died for you, 
Won't you live for him? Won't you want to honor him in this life? Won't you want to give him the whole of the Lord's day? Won't you want to give him the whole of your life? Won't you want to serve him? And he says, these are my people. We read in Revelation, don't we, that those who enter into heaven, we read there, are those that do his commandments. They have a right to enter into the gates of the city. Revelation twenty-two fourteen. Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have a right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. I fear that there will be many that say, Lord, you know, we even worshipped. But friends, it was a will worship. It was worshipping how they wanted to worship. My friends, let me say this as I close. There are not styles to worship. There's one way, and that is to worship in God's appointed way. This man, Cain, wouldn't have it. And God was wroth with him, and he lived a miserable life. And he's gone to a lost eternity. And so it is for all those who are offended in Christ. Don't be offended at him, friends. He is the friend of sinners, and if he has given his life for his people, his people will do anything for him. Look at the apostles. They were all martyred by John. They went even and suffered martyrdom and death for the sake of Christ. My, some won't even get out of bed on time to come to chapel. It's not right. Something's not fitting. We will give ourselves to Jesus Christ and serve him in the whole life, won't we? If we love him. Let us serve him all of our days. Let us give him his due. I don't have time for it, but there are ten names in the next chapter. Adam, Seth, Enosh, Canaan, Mahaliel, Jared, Enoch, Methuselah, Lamech, and Noah. But each of those names, if you read them, they form a gospel promise. It is this, man-appointed death, sorrowful from the presence of God. One comes down dedicated, Enoch, dying he shall send, Methuselah, Lamech, the poor and lowly, Noah, rest and comfort. Our rest and comfort is in Jesus Christ. May he be your rest and your comfort tonight. May he be your God. And may you serve him. There's no other God. He is the way. Through his son. Amen.